uh, thank you for how you uh, bestow your blessings uh, upon us, uh, even the blessings of a bright, uh, sunny winter's morn. Um, we thank you even more for how uh, you have shined the light of your gospel onto our hearts. Um, you have taken our uh, stony uh, hearts uh, engraved uh, with sin and uh, given us uh, hearts of flesh in which uh, your law is imprinted. Um, and we thank you for that uh, glorious work of grace and mercy uh, that you do in us, that um, like the people that we read about in Jeremiah, we too are a sinful people um, who stand um, in the face of your judgment and wrath, were it not for the work of Jesus Christ uh, interceding on our behalf, being our perfect uh, prophet, priest, and king, uh, who proclaims uh, your word uh, to us uh, and makes perfect sacrifice for our sins and rules over our heart. We pray that you would uh, give us uh, trust in him. As we study your word uh, this morning, uh, may you um, take our thoughts and our eyes to our Savior, uh, show us our sin that we might uh, see our need uh, for one who can deliver us uh, from our sin. Uh, show us the paths of, of righteousness um, and show us uh, the beauty of your law and how you give it for our good and that uh, we should seek to delight in it because it is a reflection of your goodness. Lord, we do pray for your Holy Spirit. And may the same uh, spirit that spoke uh, to and through your prophet Jeremiah uh, speak to us, taking us uh, into the words of Jeremiah. Uh, direct our thoughts, direct our conversation, um, uh, give us not just uh, uh, informed minds, but uh, may you um, move our wills um, and uh, direct our steps through your word. We ask all this in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, if you'll turn with me uh, in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 17, and as you turn there, I'll just Briefly, again, recap where we are in the book. So the first um, part of Jeremiah, roughly um, through chapter 25, um, is a section of Jeremiah that kind of collects his sayings, collects his thoughts, um, but doesn't date um, them as much. Like the second half, they're going to be, you know, in the days of this king, you know, and we're going to have lots of specific details about when. Um, here, I, and I was kind of thinking about this uh, this morning, um, by not having to focus on when Jeremiah said this, <laughs> it lets us focus on the what he says <laughs> um, uh, and not uh, be as, um, you know, trying to flip around like reminding ourselves uh, at a particular historical moment. It lets us to kind of like dig into the word itself. Um, we are in a section also uh, of Jeremiah where he's interspersing a lot of his um, experiences and, um, and feelings as a prophet, uh, proclaiming a word that uh, to a one uh, unwilling audience. So last week uh, we saw in chapter 16 how Jeremiah was again called to live out God's prophetic word by not marrying, by not attending uh, funerals, by not participating in feasts. 
Um, and all these things in a very communal society would have stood out to the people. They would have been clearly noticed and provoked a response uh, from them. And, and, and this is what God told Jeremiah. And when you tell these people all these words and they say to you, why has the Lord pronounced all this great evil against us? What is our iniquity? What is the sin that we've committed against the Lord our God? Then you shall say to them, because your fathers have forsaken me, declares the Lord, and have gone after other gods, and have served and worshipped them, and have forsaken me, and have not kept my law. And because you have done worse than your fathers, behold, every one of you follows his stubborn, even evil will, refusing to listen to me. So the people's continued uh, sinfulness and their stubborn inability to see their own wrongdoing necessitated Jeremiah to literally live out God's um, prophetic proclamations of judgment against them in a clear and dramatic fashion, that he is um, living God's judgment so they would see it and be warned, but in their stubbornness, uh, they don't take it uh, to heart. We also saw last week that amazingly, <laughs> in, it, intermixed in these bold statements of God's declared judgment against his people, he also offered uh, hope, hope of restoration um, and pointing to a future when, in which the supremacy of God's name would be acknowledged, not just by the people of Judah and Israel, but all the nations of the earth. Um, and we were struck uh, how these amazing pro pronouncements occurred at the very moments God declared that he would show his people no favor, and that emphasizes the unmerited grace and mercy of God, who's the sole reason uh, for any future hope of deliverance. So chapter 17, as we turn there, it's going to continue this theme of God's deserved judgment, but it's also going to emphasize the, the, the wisdom and folly of the choices that people make. Uh, they can follow the way of the wicked, or they can follow the way of the righteous. They can trust in God by keeping the Sabbath and incur the blessings of God, or they can violate the Sabbath and see all their labors and indeed their city go up in the flames of God's wrath and judgment. And all of, of this reveals their innermost parts that only God sees and knows. So with that oh, as a word of introduction, I'll hear now the word of God from Jeremiah chapter 17. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a point of diamond. It is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars, while their children remember their altars and their asherim beside every green tree and on the high hills, on the mountains and the open country. Your wealth and all your treasures I will give for spoil as the price of your high places for sin throughout all your territory. You shall loosen your hand from your heritage that I gave to you, and I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know, for in my anger fire, a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. 
He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Like the partridge that gathers a brood that she did not hatch, so is he who gets riches, but not by justice. In the midst of his days they will leave him, and at his end he will be a fool. A glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. Behold, they say to me, where is this word of the Lord? Let it come. I have not run away from being your shepherd, nor have I desired the day of sickness. You know what came out of my lips. It was before your face. Be not a terror to me. You are my refuge in the day of disaster. Let those put, be put to shame who persecute me, but let me not be put to shame. Let them be dismayed, but let me not be dismayed. Bring upon them the day of disaster. Destroy them with double destruction. Thus says the Lord to me, Go and stand in the people's gate by which the kings of Judah enter and by which they go out, and in all the gates of Jerusalem, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah, and all Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, who enter by these gates. Thus says the Lord, Take care for the sake of your lives, and do not bear a burden on the Sabbath day, or bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. And do not carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath, or do any work, but keep the Sabbath day holy, as I commanded your fathers. Yet they did not listen, or incline their, their ear, but stiffen their neck, that they might not hear and receive instruction. But if you listen to me, declares the Lord, and bring in no burden by the gates of the city on the Sabbath day, but keep the Sabbath day holy and do no work on it. Then there shall enter by the gates of the city kings and princes who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their officials, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall be inhabited forever. And people shall come from the cities of Judah and the places around Jerusalem, from the land of Benjamin, from the land of Shephelah, from the hill country and from the Negev, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices, grain offerings and frankincense, bringing thank offerings to the house of the Lord. But if you do not listen to me to keep the Sabbath day holy and not to bear a burden and enter by the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in its gates and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem and shall not be quenched. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it as we speak of it uh, together this morning. All right, so uh, lots of things uh, in, in this chapter. Um, I've kind of broken it down into to four sections. Um, so the first section, uh, verses one through four, 
again, is a, it's continuing uh, the previous theme, um, or a theme from the previous chapter, concerning the righteous judgment of God falling upon Judah. So what, what picture does Jeremiah paint of this judgment and why it is so deserved in these first four verses of chapter 17? So what image or images uh, are we given here? Yeah, Dave. Yeah, it's in, and I love like it. Yeah, the word pen. Like, don't think like it's you know it's not a, a erasable marker. <laughs> um, it's not you know, and it's not written on a marker board. Um, I accidentally used a non-erasable marker on a marker board this week. You can still get it off. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but no, as Dave says, it, it's written with this like a stylus of iron, the point of a diamond. Um, uh, I, this made me think of, um, I remember Dr. Currid uh, in, in seminary showing us these images of, it's the oldest um, known or surviving um, uh, copies of scripture, and it's actually engraved on these little amulets um, that have been found in Jerusalem, and they date to about 200 years um, before Jeremiah. So, so this seems to have been a practice of like, you know, inscribing things on, on metal, engraving them on, on stone. Um, and it, like, think about it, like, it's almost 3,000 years ago, and you can read, well, if you can read unpointed Hebrew, <laughs> um, you know, you can read, like, you know, thousands of years later, what's been inscribed um, on these little amulets. Um, and, and it's that, that idea, as Dave says, it's, it's indelible. It's, it's this permanent imprint of sin on the human heart. Um, and think about that as well, like the, the flip side of that, you need a tool of diamond to write, to write these things. That's also an indicator of how hard the heart is. <laughs> um, so it is both um, the imprint of sin, but it's also, I think, a picture of the stoniness of the heart on which um, this sin is imprinted. Greg. Yeah, and as you say, the exact opposite of what God has, has intended for his people, what, how there's to train their children, what those children are to remember. And I'm so glad you went to Deuteronomy 6 because it saves me from doing it. <laughs> but, but yeah, like Deuteronomy 6, you know, it, it's you know, presenting the, the delight of, the, of the, you know, the law of God and you, know, you should have it like as frontlets between your eyes, you know, on your, your, your wrist, um, put it on the doorpost of your house, put it on the gate, like inscribe the word of God everywhere so that you remember 
and that your children, you know, to teach your children and your children's children, like, because, you know, again, the, the corrosive effects of time is that we always have this tendency to forget. So we have to actively remember, like remembering isn't a, um, you know, a passive act. Remembering is an active thing we're doing. Teaching your children is an active act. Like it, it's, they're not going to, to do it. Um, and as you say, they're learning, they're remembering, and it's all the wrong things. Like it's, you know, they're remembering what their parents are doing at their altars, what their parents are doing before these, these asherim, these carved wooden images. They remember what their parents are doing on every high place, beside every green tree. Um, you know, so rather than, uh, as you say, uh, the law of God being the thing that, they re that children are learning from their parents and are remembering, instead, it's their parents' sinful actions are written with this pen of iron before, not just on people's hearts, but before their eyes of their children. So it's, it's, it's so uh, condemning um, and such the opposite, as Greg says, of what God had intended for his people. Um, I think the green tree there is, is standing for, again, so, so many of these pagan rituals that they're participating in are fertility things. So I think the green tree is a reference to, you know, just one, another one of those sites that they are, are doing idol worship. And the same thing with high hills. Like every high hill they're putting an altar on, um, you know, under every green tree, they're copulating to, to, you know, encourage the earth's fertility. And, and yeah, so I think it's a, um, there, like in other places, and we'll see it later on, clearly the tree that is, that is bearing fruit is a sign of God's blessing. So the image does get used both ways. I think in this specific way, this specific part, it's referring to the fertility practices of their, you know, the idol worship that they are participating in. Thought I saw another hand. Yeah, John. Yeah. Yeah, and that, like, again, like, they're a... It's God bringing the fertility. It's God who's made the green tree. And rather than acknowledging the God who is the source, like the fountain of living waters that we're going to hear about in just a little, that causes the tree to grow even in the midst of a drought, rather than seeing that as being the blessing of God, they're attributing it to these things that aren't God, you know, these things they've made with their hands. And, and it's... Yeah, it, they're taking the beauty of God's nature and they are polluting it with their idol worship um, and, and using it as an opportunity to sin even more. Yeah, and it is a striking <laughs> physical juxtaposition that, again, 
as Greg said, rather than teaching the law of God to their children, they have instructed them in their idolatry. Um, And we've kind of seen like the the generational impact of of sin. And it's, it's come to the point where it's like indelibly inscribed on their hearts, which is setting us up for, again, Jeremiah 31, where it's the law of God that's going to be written. That's what they need. They need the law of God and script written on their hearts. They need these hearts of stone um, taken away so God can imprint his law on their hearts. Yes, Cynthia. So, so the high places is often where they put their altars because the, you know. <laughs> Closer to heaven. Yeah, so like God will hear you better up here. <laughs> um, you know, and it's this, and like with the green tree, it's the idea you're, you're trying to use the nearness of fertility to, you know, conduct your rights to encourage further fertility. So, yeah, so the different locations for, for altars, like, are, you know, this particular deity uh, will hear me higher from here, this particular deity um, who is, you know, the goddess of fertility, you know, she'll respond to this ritual. So, you know, different deities, different gods. And um, some people, like, the horns of their, their altars, um, I think horns of their altars is the better translation because it is plural, but, but some people have read it. They're doing it on the altar, like taking, you know, the, the altar on which the sacrificial blood of atonement is going to be smeared. Like, their sin is even, you know, corrupted the true worship of God. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's added in and taking place in the very city, in the very place. And, and we see this beautiful reference um, to God's altar um, later in, in the chapter that um, it's, it's, it's God's altar is the place uh, of, of hope um, and the place, you know, a glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. That, that idea is you know, the, the temple, the altar of God, that is um, God's glorious throne. Like, and, and you're absolutely right. Like, in, in the place where, where God has, has set his temple, has set the place of true worship, all around it is idolatry and corruption. Uh, and it is a, yeah, pretty um, damning portrait. All right, so after this... Um, Uh, beginning description of judgment, Um, Jeremiah then switches, and and notice even we switch from prose to poetry, Um, and 
and he, he turns to poetic pictures of, of wise and foolish living. Um, uh, you know, some of this language hopefully will remind you of Psalm 1, for example. So um, what do these uh, poetic verses um, from verse 5 to verse 13, um, what does this wisdom teach us about how we should and should not live? Like, yeah, Dave. Yeah, so he starts, he kind of flips it. Usually in these kind of wisdom things, it starts with the, you know, the way of the righteous or the way of the wise man and then contrasts the way of the wicked. Here he starts with the way of the wicked. And, and the way of the wicked here, yeah, is that, that trust in man's strength. There are actually three different Hebrew words for man used in that verse. So it's sort of like emphasizing, you know, Rather than uh, turning one's eyes or putting one's trust in God, this trusting in man's strength um, is the source of, um, or yeah, is the path of the foolish man, is, is trusting in the wisdom and the strength and the power of, of men, of nation, nations, um, the, you know, the strength of man, and, and that is, is foolishness as Jeremiah is telling us here. Good, what else um, stands out to you about this, these descriptions of the, the path of the wise man versus the, the way of the wicked? Yeah, so yeah, this clear contrast between the shrub um, in the desert that, that doesn't see any good come, um, you know, and, you know, like it is this, per, and like desert, wilderness, uninhabited salt land, <laughs> like, you know, uh, yeah, think of the most uh, desolate places on earth, and, and it's a shrub dwelling there contrasted with a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Like, it, you know, and that, what a contrast. And even though there might be drought and there might be, you know, dry times and seasons, uh, this, you know, it's where the tree uh, because the tree is located next to this stream, this fount of water, like, you know, the provision that only God provides, you know, that trust, that faith, that confidence in God is what um, feeds and nourishes this tree, even in the midst of dryness and drought and desolation. Um, it's, it's a source coming from outside the tree, um, whereas that shrub, like, it lacks, like, you know, it's, they're both kind of like, <laughs> can experience the same conditions, but one is being fed from outside itself. Um, one is being fed by the living God and um, through trust in that God, where the other cut off from that God 
left only to the devices of man is 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 gonna you know inhabit a wasteland. Yes, Scott. Yeah, that it's there. There is. There's going to be drought. <laughs> there are going to be dry times. There are going to be seasons in our life where you know we're facing difficulty and struggle. Like we see Jeremiah in this passage. Like he's being attacked by everybody. Um, and and what a contrast. Um, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but what a contrast. You know Jeremiah's statement here from Jeremiah's statement um, two chapters earlier, where he accused God of being a deceitful brook. Like, yeah, I thought I was going to have this stream of water that, that provides for me in dry times, but, you know, I was deceived, and, you know, God corrected him and told him, no, you, you need to repent uh, and, and put your trust in me. So, yeah, what a, a difference here that, um, that he's able to, to kind of confidently say that, you know, God is the one who is my, my refuge uh, in a day of disaster. So it's not escape from the day of disaster, as God's saying. It is um, sustaining through the day of disaster. Uh, it's not, um, you know, not experiencing drought and, and dryness seasons, but it's, it's God being able to, to bring fruit even out of those negative experiences, that God is bringing blessing and mercy and growth, even in in those times in our lives where you know we're especially feeling um, spiritual dryness. Yeah, Ron. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Like, I, I, I don't, like, yeah, I, it, here, and Jeremiah, I, I think more so than any other prophet, refers back to prior scriptures. Um, we see it with Deuteronomy all the time, but he's referring to the, to the Psalms here. I think very clearly that, he, you know, like, he is praying the Psalms, as you say. Um, he is using what God has already said, um, as a model for what he is saying now, um, which, you know, <laughs> is, is good practice that Jeremiah is modeling for us, um, that we can, um, you know, take these, these scriptures and, you know, and, and, and pray them and, and use them to inform how we, we live. Like Jeremiah, who has direct word from God, <laughs> is nevertheless still using the word God, God told people, you know, God told David and God told Moses. Like, you know, it, it's, 
It's not just like he's, you know, a parrot, <laughs> um, you know, just spitting out what God says. In his experience, he's taking what God has written in the scriptures and he is using them to inform his current prophetic ministry. Good, so we, so we have this, con it starts with a contrasting picture between the cursed man and the blessed man. Um, and, and what's the difference? Where those two men, you know, like what brings the curse, what brings the blessing? Not in the men themselves, but where their trust is. Um, it's, it's the relationship to God is what makes the difference between the way of, of the curse and the way of the blessing. Yeah, Greg. <laughs> it is peculiar. Yeah, and it is this picture, like there are a couple different ways that, that people have looked at this. Um, so one is the idea of the partridge is going out and stealing other birds' eggs and trying to hatch them as its own chicks. So, uh, so it is kind of like hatching things that don't belong, like it didn't uh, give the egg, but it's trying to hatch the egg, and as soon as those chicks, <laughs> they're gonna be like, yeah, we're gone. <laughs> You're not my mother, um, kind of idea. Um, and uh, the other way, um, some people like that, um, yeah, they're amassing so many, like, like it's, it's, it's like, you know, amassing so many eggs, like there's, and it's all gonna fly and leave you. <laughs> like, um, it's that idea of, you know, uh, the way Jesus talks about, like, all right, you know, you can amass treasures on earth. You die, <laughs> they go to somebody else. Like, what's what's the point of that? It's it's folly um, to to amass, you know, this wealth and this riches, and to put your trust in it. Like, you know, you're trusting. It's like the guy who you know, has the big harvest, and he's like, oh, I'll just build bigger silos, and I'm going to be, live secure and live in large for years and years and years, and his night, his life is taken from him that very night. Like, it's the, the folly of putting one's trust in those um, things that, that do not bring life, do not sustain life, um, that are the results of our um, sinful actions and desires, um, and the, yeah, it's it's foolish to put one's trust in those because they're so easily taken from us. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, so the partridge is is amassed wealth. Um, you know, it's stolen eggs. <laughs> um, so this is stolen wealth. Yeah, the you know ill 
ill-gotten wealth is soon gone, and the man who amassed it uh, is, is shown to be a fool. Um, and the, uh, as the way one commentator said, the prosperity of the wicked is mere, merely a passing delusion. I like that. Um, the prosperity of the wicked is merely a passing delusion. Um, or as Jesus says in Matthew, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Um, or the uh, one commentator kind of took uh, Jim Elliott's famous saying, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain uh, that which he cannot lose. So that, that idea of, um, you know, he's trying to, to, to gain something that you can't hold on to. Like, it's, it's a delusion. It's, it's, it's folly, as Jeremiah tells us here. Good. Other parts of these uh, wisdom sayings? Um, uh, notice the emphasis, again, on the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then it immediately turns. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So um, I kept thinking of, um, as my wife can attest, um, I am like the worst fruit picker uh, in the grocery store ever. Like, you know, uh, I will pick the apple that looks nice and shiny on the outside, and then she'll cut into it, and she's like, honey, this is gross. <laughs> it looked good. <laughs> um, like, you know, who knows what's on the inside? Uh, you know, and, and that's the, the uh, God looks to the heart. So even those people, you know, who we've seen Jeremiah talk about, like people who are outwardly going through the motions of, um, of godliness, but, but God knows their, their hearts. Like, so, and he is judging their, their deeds by what's inside them. Like, it's, it's, it's the heart here. Uh, again, like, if you kind of think, like, we've got very different kind of, um, different kind of prophetic motifs, like, like jammed to, together in this chapter. Like, we, you know, we had the prose section on, you know, uh, the, the judgment befalling them, but it, you know, the image there is the heart here, we have these sayings, and again, the, the object is the heart. The heart that trusts in God versus the heart um, that trusts in, in man and material things. Um, and, and God is the one who sees and knows and understands and tests the heart. Um, uh, he's the one who can look past our deeds and see what's inside. He's also the one We'll learn later who can change the heart, which is our hope. <laughs> if he, yeah, rotten fruit inside, um, but he's the one who who uh, can change that. Yeah, Greg. Yeah, it's, yeah, 
it, yeah, the word desperately there uh, is like hopeless. <laughs> it's, a, um, it's like going to the doctor and he, he, and he tells you you're gonna die. Like there's nothing I can do. It's that kind of, that's desperate sickness. <laughs> um, and and like it's, it's the illness that as, as Greg says, can't be cured. Um, it's, you know, a death sentence. All right, so um, to, to shift again, gears, so he gives us these wisdom sayings, and then we're back to um, a, a prayer uh, of Jeremiah. Um, we've seen these um, kind of like um, him talking to, talking to God, um, and here we have another one of these, um, some people call them uh, Jeremiah's confessions. Um, you know, these points where he gives us insight into his thoughts uh, and his experience um, in living the life of a prophet. So what does this prayer in verses 14 through 18 uh, reveal about Jeremiah and the attitude of the people of Judah that oppose him? So what stands out to you about this prayer of Jeremiah? Yes, Cynthia. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's placed right after that one. Like, so, like, like we encounter, like, even though we might not know chronologically when one was written, when the other was, it's placed there. So I think it's intended to give that we're supposed to be amazed by the transformation. <laughs> um, that you know, a Jeremiah who two chapters earlier, I wish I was never born, uh, you're like a deceitful brook to me, and, and now you're my refuge. You're my only hope. Uh, you're the only one um, in the midst of all this turmoil, all these sinful people, you're the one who I trust. Yeah, and the, the learning experience, like, and again, I'm glad you brought that out because, you know, we too can be in that position. Like, we can learn from Jeremiah how he lives here. He, 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 he overstepped, <laughs> he was corrected, he repented, and he, you know, what's his remedy to, to turn back to, to, to trust? Like, um, we were, uh, in our Bible study, we were reading Deuteronomy um, 7, uh, this week, and there's this great um, picture there um, of like what uh, of like so it's emphasizing kind of fear 
Like the people, as you go in the land, you're going to be afraid. <laughs> These people are strong and mighty. Um, and, you know, and, and it comes to a point where the remedy for fear is remembering. <laughs> um, remembering God. Remembering what God has said. Remembering the promises of God. And, and I think you're absolutely right. Like here, he is going back to what God has told him. From the beginning, I will be the strong wall that protects you from these people. I will be your refuge. In the midst of turmoil and dismay, you know, you will not be dismayed by me. Um, that, you know, that kind of, of image um, that, like, again, it's our tendency as human beings to forget. It's our tendency as human beings to get caught up in the circumstances of the, the moment, the here, the now. And, and it, it takes, again, active remembrance. Like, again, faith isn't passive. <laughs> you gotta work at it. Um, you gotta remember, you gotta trust, you gotta like in, engage in the activity of thinking about God and that the God who is, is more powerful and uh, is able, the only one, able to redeem and deliver you from these circumstances. Yeah, go ahead, Cynthia, sorry. So, so if you think right before that, um, so, uh, um, behold, they say to me, where's the Lord, word of the Lord? Let it come. I've not run away from being your shepherd, nor have I desired the day of sickness. Um, right there, um, the idea is um, he, he's being accused by the people of, like, wanting bad to happen. Like, you know, like, like think of, like, we don't have prophets, but we have pundits and prognosticators and, like, you know, we're going to have a recession in 2023. And, like, it can, some people can say, well, you want it to happen. Like, yeah, that's what you want. You want bad to befall us. Uh, so you've got these people who are saying, yeah, where's this prophecy, Jeremiah? You know, you said just judgment's coming. Where is it? I don't see it. Let it come. Like, you know, this kind of mocking of, of what he's been telling them. And, and they're attributing it to his bad motives. You want evil to befall us. Um, and, and Jeremiah is saying, you know, I think there is saying, God, you know, <laughs> you know what I've said. <laughs> you know my intentions. You know, like I'm telling them the people for their good. It's, I'm not doing it out of e evil motives on my part. I'm not speaking it out of hatred of them. I'm trying to be faithful in, in delivering your word to them. And yet they're receiving it as, well, one, they're receiving it as, like, well, you keep telling us this bad stuff's going to happen. Like, where is it kind of idea? Um, oh, Mr. Prophet of doom, and where's the doom? Uh, let it come, kind of. So they're, they're mocking his, his words, and then they're attributing those words to, it, you know, you're just, you know, one of those killjoys who <laughs> hates people, and you want the evil to come just to prove you're right. Um, and, and Jeremiah's like, oh, God, 
you know me. <laughs> you, you know my heart. You know the, you know the words coming from my lips. I'm telling the people what you want me to tell them. I'm telling them because I love them uh, and want them to turn from the path that's bringing destruction. I don't want the destruction to come, but that's what they keep saying to you. So I think that's the sense there. Yeah. <laughs> bring it. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Bring it. <laughs> because that, like, you know, like he's seeing, like, that's the only, it, it's the way that, you know, and again, we, this happens to us too. We take God's patience um, as license. We take God's forbearance as an opportunity to continue in evil doing. Um, and, and by God being patient with his people, by delaying the, the judgment, giving them chance after chance, they're just using it to take more rope <laughs> to, to hang themselves. Um, and, and, and it's that kind of, I think, idea here is that um, Jeremiah is, is experiencing that and he's saying, you know, Come, <laughs> come quickly. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, but well, back in chapter fifteen is where the he he overstepped by accusing God of of being deceitful, um, not you know being a deceitful brook, not being the one who's giving him refuge and protection, and so the contrast here is. No, no, this is his, his, his conversations with God. So again, we're getting these little... <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's, he's being like, again, a prophet stands between God and the people. And the great thing about Jeremiah is we see the conversation in both directions. We see what God is proclaiming through Jeremiah to the people, but then we see Jeremiah turn around and, and talk to God. So chapter 15 and here in this section of chapter 17 is him turning around having a conversation with God, which is why people often say Jeremiah is the most personal of the prophets because he gives us, I mean, it, he, he, he allows us to step into the shoes of what it's like to be a prophet in the midst of a stubborn, stiff-necked people. Um, in chapter 15, we saw how isolating it is, um, how, you know, how discouraging it can be. And here we're saying in the midst of that isolation, in the midst of that uh, discouragement from one's circumstances, there, there's still um, refuge to be found and found in God alone. And, and again, one of the reasons I think this part is stuck on the end of these wisdom sayings we've just given. Like he, he's showing us where his trust lies. His trust, <laughs> he's learned, you can't trust in the strength of men because um, they'll turn against you. My family's turned against me. My town's turned against me. Later on, we'll see priests turn against him. We'll see other prophets turn against him. We'll see the king turn against him. We'll see all the people turn against him. Um, and through all of that, it's God who, who never deserts him. Like, and so he's, he's learning that, that lesson. And that's the lesson we can learn through him. Like, you know, not, not to put our trust in the things of this earth or the people of this earth, but put our trust in the God of strength, in him only. 
uh, is there to be uh, refuge. He's the only one who can protect us and keep us from being put to shame, the shame that we deserve. All right, uh, real quick, uh, the final section. Um, so, yeah, so basically my <laughs> question here is why the Sabbath? Um, we've seen Jeremiah expose lots of, of, of sin throughout this book, you know, even like sacrificing of children. So why in the midst of what he's just been talking about, uh, of all the commandments to kind of focus on, why turn to the, the focus on the Sabbath here? Yes, Cynthia. Yeah, that it is a commandment that we have to, like, whether we're doing it or not, is an expression of our, our, the, of our hearts. Like, are we trusting in God to provide for us, or do we think we need to work that extra day? And notice the emphasis here is, is on the carrying of the burden. Like, so it's this idea that there's something that has to be done. We've got to conduct business on this day in order to um, in order to sustain ourselves it, it's an act of trust to take that day off to take a day of rest to sort of like you know I don't have to work this day God's told me not to so I'm not and I'm you know I'm going to trust that he will bless and provide for me and notice the bounty he talks about that results from from um, living out this commandment like you know, all these people bringing all these the, these things into the city, like so, like they're like, oh, we've got to carry these burdens um, on, on the Sabbath day in order to sustain ourselves. And he's God is saying, in keeping the Sabbath, there is going to be a blessing that far exceeds what you could possibly create for yourself by working that day. That was all hand, yeah. Yeah, it's a, the sin of the, the entire community from the top down. And, and notice how he's positioning, like, um, this is one of those places, again, he doesn't tell us when he's doing this, but he, he tells us where he's <laughs> proclaiming this. You know, in the gates of the temple, in the gates of the city, like, these are, are the places where, you know, you see it, these activities, over and over and over again. And it's the entire community uh, it, it's a, a systemic sin, as you're saying. Like it's something that uh, is clearly showing the heart, not just of individuals, but of the entire community. Like, and it's the way, um, you know, it, like sometimes part stands in for the whole. Um, and so, you know, it, it's this idea. All right, are they being, as a people, covenantly faithful to the covenant law of God, of which the Ten Commandments, you know, is the whole? Well, let's look at this very visible part. Like, <laughs> you know, and as we think of that first table of the law, focusing on those things, um, 
in reference to God, um, you know, how are the people showing their love for God? Are they showing that love for God as a community in obedience to his command to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy, to set it apart from, from other days? You know, it's a day that is, that is sanctified. It's to be different. Um, and as Cynthia said, it's, it's a way to, to, to sh demonstrate one's trust in God. Or is the community treating it just like any other day. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like Jesus in the temple. Like, the temple is supposed to be this sacred place set apart, and they're treating it just like any other market hall. Um, and it's, it's visibly demonstrating their attitudes toward God. Jay. Yeah, and notice here, again, like, the encouragement, like, you know, obviously it ends with the curse <laughs> that falls if, if they keep doing it. But he's emphasizing here, like, the blessing that's to be obtained by trusting in God and demonstrating that trust by, in a, through obedience to God's law. Like, the, the enormous blessing that is to be obtained um, by trusting in God and walking in the ways that God has commanded us um, versus the curse that, that will befall them and, and does befall them. And he says, like, your fathers did this. <laughs> Don't do like they did. Um, but if you do, the gates, the very gates where Jeremiah you know, like has just shown us, he's standing in these gates proclaiming these words to the people. These gates are going to be burnt. This temple is going to be burned. Like it's, it's all going to be destroyed. Um, and so there's blessings to be um, discovered beyond what we can imagine in trusting in God. Um, but if you trust in man um, and put your trust in, in the works of man and the things of man, it, it only is going to lead to, to experience of, of God's curses. Like that. 
yeah, and the like, and we can treat. I, I think we often treat it as like a, again the the um, like like it's it's the it's like some kind of restriction, and we and we see that like how the Pharisees take that in the New Testament. They miss the point of it. Like it is for our good. Like it's not you know something like you know that we. Um, uh, do out of like, um, or just like, it's not like some command just to like see us go through hoops. It's 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 something that is God has created, um, and, and as you say, has the blessing built into it. So you do it, you experience God's blessings through it, and that encourages you to do it more. So there is that feedback loop fundamentally built into it. Um, and, and again, it, it requires uh, an exercise of faith, of trust. Um, and, and again, that is, as we think about um, this chapter and these different parts, what's, what's tying them together? What, what's, where's your heart? <laughs> and, and who does your heart trust? Um, if it trusts in man and things of man, yeah, I'm going to work on the, the seventh day because like, why would I surrender 24 hours to my competitors? Like, uh, but if I'm trusting in God, then I can, I can give up that 24 hours um, and, and, and experience that God has something even better for me. We are way over time, sorry. <laughs> um, so let me, uh, we'll end there, um, but uh, next week uh, we'll continue. Uh, but let me close our time together in a word of prayer. Gracious God, we do thank you for this day. Uh, on which uh, you've set apart, um, a day on which uh, uh, we uh, gather together as a community um, to receive your word, um, to hear it proclaimed, to participate in communal uh, worship with one another. Lord, uh, give us uh, hearts that, that trust in you. Give us hearts that delight in you and delight uh, in your word to us, uh, that delight in, in your law, your, your, your goodness uh, to us. Um, and Lord, uh, uh, help us to uh, see our sinfulness um, and uh, use your word to expose it, um, but also help us to, to remember um, to, that uh, when we are uh, fearful or when we're forgetful, that um, you would bring your word uh, to our mind um, and instruct us and show us Christ and, and the comfort that's in him, uh, even as every day, we look back and see how we fail in so many ways. Um, help us uh, use that as an opportunity not to despair, but an opportunity uh, to, to trust in the one who can deliver us uh, even from ourselves. Lord, help us not to um, have deceitful hearts, but help us to have hearts that uh, trust in you. Uh, help us now uh, in this coming hour to worship you in spirit and truth uh, and uh, engage us uh, in, in joy and humility and uh, in standing before your throne and then glorying in who you are and what you've done for your people. We ask this all in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, by the power of your spirit. Amen. <laughs>